I am Sumit Gupta and this is Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams at work and life. This is a podcast for people who know deep inside that there is more. Have you achieved a great deal of success, but on the inside you still feel empty and like an imposter? Do other people see you as a strong leader and you wonder why it still feels so lonely and suffocating? The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. I dare to speak to the tremendous power which you already have rather than what you believe are your strengths and limitations. This podcast is called Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. And this is the Leadership Journey series. I am interviewing leaders with an interesting story to learn how they got where they are today. We all have a lot to learn from each other's stories of where we started, where we are now and our successes and struggles on the way. With this series of interviews, my attempt is to give leaders an opportunity to share their stories and for all of us to learn from their generous sharing. Henny is the marketing and sales manager at Pluvo. She calls growth her driving force both personally and professionally. She keeps investing in herself to learn new skills and build new capabilities either through e-learning, books, conversations or by simply learning by doing. She is someone who doesn't follow the normal route in life. She lost both her parents at an early age and learned quickly that life is too short to not make your own decisions. She wants to be happy but also create an environment where her teams can also learn, grow and be happy at work. She acknowledges that she can be too hard on herself and tries to let things go and find a balance in life. Hi, Henny. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Hey, welcome. Nice that you invited me to this podcast. Yeah, thank you for being here. And for anybody who might be listening, can you just begin by sharing a little bit about yourself, who you are and what do you do? Yes, of course. My name is Henny Hoekstra, a typical Dutch name, often hard to pronounce for people outside the Netherlands. I'm the commercial director of Pluvo. I must say that most people from our customer database, they know us, me as Henny from Pluvo because I always brand myself like that. We started in Pluvo like four years ago, together with the founder. So I've been there from the start until where we are now. I am living in Amsterdam with my boyfriend and my cat. Love everything about tech, SaaS, and in my free time, I like to go out with friends, CrossFit. And I make new adventures. That sounds already wonderful. So you're in the startup and then you like physical adventures as well. As well, yeah. So in my work, I'm often behind my laptop or talking with customers. But in my free time, I'd like to go outside, compensate that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And before we go into that, can you share a little bit of your backstory and how you got to be where you're today? Yes, of course. How far would you like me to go into this story? Totally depends on you. All right. Good question. So... I studied business. A lot of people, of course, study business. I did it in Enschede at the university. And I actually never thought I would end up into the SaaS industry. Actually, never thought that I would do that because most people from my studies, they go to the corporates, the big four, maybe some consultancy firms. But by accident, I went into, how do you call it, like, like, like a conference and I was talking to someone who worked at a software company. And this person had a VR glasses and I had to try them. And that didn't go well, so I kept falling over. And then I started talking with this person and I got my first internship at a SaaS company. It was about uh, expansion abroad, the research. And that's why I was triggered, but I thought, ah, oh, software, I don't know about that, but the assignment sounds amazing. 
And actually there I found out how amazing and software is and the SaaS world. So actually I was already, when I was like 21, 22, I knew from that point that I would work at a SaaS company. I was studying, I was graduating, I was traveling a little bit, I was studying in Berlin as well. And then I came back to the Netherlands and then it was time to think about my career. So most people, hmm. they chose the corporate path. But I always been a person that like, I don't always follow the normal routes. I thought, what do I want to do? And I was traveling in South America and I still remember being on a hill and having these reflections. What do I want to do? I want to do something with software. I want to work for a company where I have impact and I want to make a difference in the world. And then I went, I was back in the Netherlands and after one week I saw this vacancy for Plivo and it was a startup without any customers. It was about education, about making an impact. And it was sad. I was very happy and I immediately thought, let's go work there as an online marketeer. And now we're four, four years further. Today we're yeah, quite a challenger in the field of online learning. We've grown, I've grown a lot. I got a complete team right now where I was starting on my own, doing like everything from the commercial part. Now I also have a team to do it together. And I still enjoy it every day. Yeah. And I love how you said that you have always wanted to go your own way. Yeah. Never been like that, like corporate seeker or the seeker of the regular way of doing things. So can you share a little bit more about that? What shaped you as that kind of person? Any key people or any key events before that, before what you shared? Yeah, absolutely. So definitely getting a little bit personal, but it's also about personal growth, right? This podcast. So one thing about me, what happened in my life is that I lost my both parents uh, on a quite early age. I lost my mom when I was 13 and I lost my father when I was 22. They both were ill. And actually that learned me quite quickly that life is short. Life is too short to make decisions that you don't want to have. So you can go a, a path because everybody's following it, but feel unhappy with it. And I thought, I don't know how long I am able to live. So if I make a decision to go for a career, to work somewhere, I don't care what people say because I had a lot of comments. Are you sure you want to work at a startup? Why would you work there? You don't earn that much money. You could rather work at a corporate, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't listen to them because I knew that this would make me happy because I knew life is too short to make decisions that like don't feel well. So I think that those are the main parts of my life that quite shaped my choices into this. Thank you for sharing that with us. I want to appreciate that because it's so personal and then you opened up. But how else that has, I just want to understand, how else that has shaped your career, shaped your life? How do you see the world of work? How do you see making a difference since you mentioned that? And what role does that, like that event or the losing your parents still make in, in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, it's a, a great question, actually. In my daily life, I am really trying to do a couple of things as a leader that think matter to me that also occur to me because what happened. I also want my team to be happy uh, that they do stuff, that they develop themselves, that they learn new stuff every day and that they have the space to learn. So I'm not dictating everything. I, I want their initiatives as well. These are as important as mine and I want them to grow and I want them to be happy because I want myself to be happy because life is short, but I also want them to be happy. And I think work plays a huge role in that. And I think I am also partly responsible for that as their manager. So I think that is also an important thing. And I think the reason why I chose to work for a platform like Clearvo is I think we're an e-learning platform and people can easily share their knowledge with everyone in the world through our platform. And I think that can also really make an impact. So I'm all, every day I'm working on that mission to make online knowledge sharing uh, possible for everyone. Because I also feel like no matter what happens, 
if I die right now, I will be happy because I have the feeling that I create a positive impact on the world. Yeah, I, and I love that how you relate it to your own life, but also you carry it forward as a manager and as a leader. And also with your employees, your people that you're working with, you want them to experience something different rather than just work for the sake of work. Exactly, because I think like work is an important part of our lives. So let's be honest, we spend four or five days a week into it. And that's, those are only the business hours. And I still see a lot of people that are very unhappy in their work and they stay there. And I think if people are not happy, they should leave. So even if uh, one of my employees wouldn't be happy, like I'd rather have them to tell me than that they like stay there. Because I think one of my drivers in my life is also make people happy. And I, my role as a leader I can really help them to develop themselves into the person they can be, but also have a work life that actually makes them happy instead of tired. Wonderful. I'm so glad you said that because so few leaders actually say that like my role is to, or my job is to make people happy. So often we focus on business results or we focus on culture, but happiness, I think you're touching a very important point. And what I have learned is that happiness is also directly related to productivity and then those results which we are seeking. So thank Absolutely. You. Yeah, thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, sometimes you get a comment like, uh, but you also have to think about the business. But I think if you really take care of your people, they will also take care of their customers well. And that will eventually lead also to, to more productivity, more profit. But if your base is not good and you're treating the people not good, how do you suppose them to treat the customers well? So it all starts with being, uh, being nice and making those people comfortable and do everything to make it possible to be their best selves. Yeah. Yeah. And as you spoke about comments, right? How do you deal with people who have grown up in a traditional business environment and maybe who do not understand uh, the different thinking that you have, but also where you're coming from? Because your story might not be visible for everybody. So how do people react to your thoughts, which is which are different? And when you try to charter your own path, when you try to go your own way, how do people react to that? And then how do you manage that dynamic? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it, it depends a bit a little bit on the situation, of course, because I also believe in situational leadership. So it depends on the situation and the person and where they are, or what you will do. Uh, you don't always know that beforehand, but I've always tried to be open. So I read a lot about vulnerability. I always had a problem with that in the past. I always thought, oh, business is being tough and not being vulnerable because you don't want to be judged based on that. But I actually have learned through the years that at the point that I can also show a little bit of my vulnerability, people will open up as well and you get a better connection together and it's easier to speak with each other and then it's easier to understand each other. But I also think that it should always be a conversation. It's not only me about saying how things should be, but also inviting everybody else to think with me because one plus one is three and do it together and get also give them the feeling that you're doing it together. Yeah, yeah. I think vulnerability and you're also... Talking about the like the power of sharing, it makes so much of a difference because it's not just listening to what somebody else might be experiencing and being empathetic with them. Sometimes it's also about sharing your own, like what is happening in your own world. How are you listening to them? What are you feeling, especially as a leader? And that's not weakness, that's a strength to be able to do that. Yeah, but I had to learn that as well because... I'm not sure if that is because I'm also a woman, but we were also like, okay, you're in a male world. I was the first female employee and you had to find yourself a little bit into that and find your own path in that as well. If you look at leaders, they're mostly like very angry people, right? Or tough people, not exactly always vulnerable. I do believe that people that are able to show that, uh, that makes sense because we're all human beings. 
And if and then we connect with each other when we're trying to be vulnerable. When we try to open up with each other, we get more connected. And I think that has a lot of benefits for both yourself and your colleagues in the company. Yeah, I think you're setting a right example. Even in my podcast, I think I've interviewed around 20 people, but only three or four of them have been women. And I think a lot of people still live under that notion of leaders are angry people or they are just focused. <laughs> they don't feel, right? They're like robots. Uh, How do you think that that counts? What a cure that we think like that? I think we have seen stories. We have seen examples, especially if I go back a few decades. In our movies, in our cultures, we have seen stories like that. And it was not accepted for, still not accepted, I would say, but getting better. Not uh, like expected from men to cry or men to show weakness. That was seen as a weakness on their personal front. And that always makes something difficult. And I think now we are coming to that stage where it is okay to say that you don't know or I need help. And those are not signs of weakness because if, if as a leader, you need help, but you can't say that you need help, then what could be a bigger weakness than that, right? Because then you are struggling inside and nobody else is able to help you. Yeah, but I think with more women leaders coming up and basically breaking the mold and not trying to be more like men, but really bringing their own personality to, into it and then also standing up and sometimes like having the men around them change is what is required to show a very different kind of leadership. I think we need, yeah, we need both. I think we need identity, but we also need femininity. And there is value in having both. And yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think that if you have both inside a company, I think there's always also research about that. It also learns some more, leads to more profitability. So that's primary. And secondary, of course, people will be happier if it's more in balance. But also it's good for the company. And I find that very interesting because we always say you have this quota and stuff like that. And are, female, are females actually leaders? Yes or no? There's a lot of discussion on that. Aren't they born to be a different way? Actually, if you look into the numbers, yes, we are. It's also good for the company and it's profit. And I think that I think there should always be a balance because I do like to work in a mixed environment as well. I was the first woman. Now I'm not anymore. I'm happy with it, but I also like that it's really a mix of, of diff different genders. Yeah. To me, I think women are born leaders. That's how I would phrase them, even though sometimes the perception even for women is otherwise. Because if you see throughout history, women have at least led the household. That has been the traditional role. But to survive and to thrive in a place where your skills or your value is not appreciated, that teaches you a lot. I think men can learn a lot from women in matters of dealing with stress, resilience, getting back after a struggle and just hard work and pure determination. I think you, you can't match that. And again, I'm not generalizing, but there's a lot which we can, uh, we can learn from that feminine side. And most often it's our own ego, especially as men, if we stop ourselves from learning from a different kind of human being. So that's, uh, that's my thought. And I think we should, especially as women, we should never discount that. We should never... Like not appreciate the value of that. Yeah, I think that we are also a shifting, right? If you look into the most corporates, there are more and more female leaders. But there's a reason that there are a lot of initiatives like women in tech, because there are not some, that many women in tech. But must be honest, I also ended up in tech accidentally by using VR goggles and not being able to understand what happened because it kept falling over. But it's a great industry. And I also think that if we really want to change that and have a lot of diversity, we should start like from childhood and not push people in boxes, but let people experience everything regardless of gender. Yeah, and I think you are raising a very important point of being serendipitous or being accidental. 
And so often we miss that, right? It would be so easy for you to reject that signal at that point of time and say, I've, I'm going into corporate. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of leaders, they end up doing what they're doing because of an event which was not planned. And then I also know a lot of people who have continued to stay on a single path, on a traditional path, and they regret that they have not listened to some of those signals which have come up. So it's, it's a beautiful analogy to be able to listen to your intuition sometimes and to those signals and to take action and let yourself be guided by life rather than trying to control everything. Yeah, and it's easy to think that we can, can control everything, but we can't. And I think there's even a research about how we make decisions is that it first happens a little bit more into your intuition and then you rationalize it. So we think we rationalize everything that we do. Actually, we don't. So, yeah, even in, in, in yeah. the things that we, when we find ourselves being rational, even then we are not. And that, that's so interesting. Yeah, but that's what you have to trust your guts. Yeah, that was one of my like biggest aha moments when I learned that emotions and our intuition play a bigger role in our decision making than our rational mind. And it's so counterintuitive in the world we live in, which is very heavily dominated by our thinking mind, our analytical skills. And basically discounts the softer side. Again, I think it's because of that patriarchal culture where, which has been a part of most of the world. If I go back centuries or even decades, but what we are learning is that like emotions are very real. They have value. They're not a weakness. I remember like 15, 17 years ago when I started to work, if somebody were to cry, they would be seen as weak. And there were people who would actually say that, go home. Come back when you're done with that. And it's so difficult, so different to how I lead or anybody else leads today. Yeah, I think that also shifts. And I think there is also more space for emotions. But I also believe, let's be honest, I did make those mistakes that like my gut said I shouldn't do it. But my ratio said I should do it. It's a good deal. Do it. And I always actually regretted uh, those decisions because it does feel, doesn't feel good for a reason. I should have listened to that. I know that, but your ratio, like saying, yeah, but it's a good deal and it could be like having a big impact, but it just didn't feel well. And if I go counterintuitive, make counterintuitive decisions, I shouldn't do that anymore. I, I try to learn myself that because we are in an irrational environment, we try to rationalize everything, make rational decisions, but actually, as we said, most decisions you don't make on a rational basis. Exactly. And a lot of my work is helping leaders connect with that deep intuition level where they know but they don't have reasons to justify what they know. And then how to make sense of that, how to, first of all, have the courage to listen and act on that, and then how to build people, take people along along with them. And that's always a tricky slope because you never know which way. And that's, I think, in the context of leadership, you always have to have that courage to really charter your own path, as you said, right? Coming back to now, what do you find most challenging in your work? Finding focus on where to go. It's also a personal thing. I'm a really creative mind with also a lot of ideas, energy. I am able to make that into structure for my team, but sometimes I have to find the focus for myself. I'm very hard on myself sometimes. I have to do everything and everything make everyone happy, but sometimes I should also be able to like, and now we focus on this project and now we focus on that project. It's like both good side of me that I always have ideas, good business ideas, but also a weakness because I always have new ideas. And I think at this point, we're really looking to figure what is our focus for the upcoming half year and upcoming years and choose. So not do everything, choose. And yes, this could be a good thing, but put it into the planning instead of in the beginning of the startup, you just do everything because 
We had no clue what would work for a customer. We were really into the growth hacking mindset, try everything, see what works. But now because we're professionalizing and we're scaling up, you get more processes. Also those projects should be more like formalized and be set put over time. And it's a transition actually. And I have to let things go because as I said, at the beginning, I did everything on my own. And now I had a team and now I also just hired a customer success manager who is also going to take over some roles and some responsibilities. So I'm also in the process of letting more and more go and redefining my role. Yeah. And over this period of time, right, what have you learned, especially being in a startup, which is very fast paced normally, and there is also a lot of pressure. So how have you managed to find that balance and focus in that fast paced world with, uh, with so much pressure to perform or to succeed, not just for your role, but also as a startup, you have to prove yourself. Yeah. I think uh, even if it's early in the process, find process that you can work with. So. We really believe in the lean startup and the growth hacking tactics. So we use a lot of experimentation, but also like formulate experiments. All right, we want to try this. When is it successful? And only go further with it when it's successful. So really already use processes to see, okay, we need to try different things because we don't know what works, but do it in a formulated way, in a formalized way also as well. I think that really helped us to find product market fit because when I started, like we had a product, but we didn't have any product market fit. And was just a big question. And the first half year, we were just looking, who should we be? What is our target audience? How do we reach them? And it was just a black box. We learned a lot by doing. I think some companies, I know they're also startuping and they come from the corporate side. So they keep talking and making reports like, oh, how should we do it? But I think it's very important in the startup culture that you also do stuff. Like if you want to test something, test it and see what the results are. Be data-driven, see if the results are validatable, if they make sense, but start doing. Because if you keep talking too much and not doing anything, you still will never figure out if something will work, yes or no. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Tell us a little bit about your personal side. What else right. you? So what do you want to know? Any specific slides? Or? We spoke about adventures, some adventures earlier, but I, what I re, I'm really interested and in, what I really found in uh, with a lot of leaders is what they do outside of work also shapes their leadership, shapes them as a person. So anything curious, anything interesting? So I, I do CrossFit a lot. I think a lot of uh, CEOs and leaders that I've spoken with, they do a lot of sports actually. And I understand why, because your mind is always working with ideas and for me, it's one of the ways to not think about anything. So there's some more space to think. And I also love being outdoors because I think also as a leader, you are responsible to make decisions and create new ideas, new pathways. And you don't make them when you're in a meeting, mostly not you're also talking with each other. The best ideas you don't have when you're at the computer. So in the thing that I do outside my work life, like sports, or I like to go outside, being outside. Sometimes I do a skating, stuff like that. Then the best things come up. And I think if there's never a really a clear distinction between work and private, of course, but for me, it's best to take breaks and do something completely different if I want to excel in my career and in my work. So it's, yeah, it's. A little bit more personal. What do I do in my personal life to keep my mind into the control, but also that makes me able to have new ideas and yeah, build the company further. Yeah, thank you. And as you said, a lot of leaders I have interviewed, even on this podcast, practice sports or some kind of like body-based practice, which helps them, first of all, feel grounded. It helps them separate from the day-to-day. -day. It adds perspective and it helps them be more effective or be more focused at work. So it's very relevant to what you said, right? 
exactly. I think I also believe that makes you a better and productive person if you do that instead of always working 80 hours a week. Because you also see the dropout rate from a specific amount of hours, I think that's 50 or something, you get netter, you get less productive. So it, it's better to also take the time for yourself. So when you're working, you do right things because if you're really tired, you make bad decisions and that's not what you want to do as a leader. Yeah. And so take you know, care that, of yourself. Yeah. I think another aspect which people miss is that leadership is not just about the mind. Leadership is about the presence that you bring in. And then everything which you do physically also helps you shape that, that confidence or that listening. And you come into that because if you are just working 80 hours a day without engaging your body, you will show up in a very different way. You will talk and listen in a very different way. So to be a good leader, you need to be well-rounded in that approach. So that's very relevant as well. Exactly. And I think I should take care of myself to be able to take care of other people. Wonderful. Yeah. There's so much wisdom in that one simple sentence. <laughs> so like they, they say in airplanes, put your oxygen mask first. The same. Yeah. Same exactly like that, right? Yeah. You, you yeah, can't help the other person if you can't breathe. Exactly. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit about the future now. Now, where are you headed with this perspective of life? Do you want to make a difference? And then the last few years have been, like, as you said, quite a growth period for you. What's next for you? Yeah. So we're doing a couple of things. So we're developing a site, Hustle from Pro. So that's really nice because we already existed when I started. And this is really my idea that we're currently building an MVP. And uh, so that's very interesting. And I think the coming years will be really also focused on developing the team more and going more international. Because we have this big dream that online knowledge sharing should be possible for everyone. And we keep building on that on our platform and the services in our knowledge sharing in our own podcast and do that also abroad. So now we focus on the Netherlands and Belgium, but the whole world is open there and we have to create, we want to create an impact through whole Europe. And that will be a really exciting time in the upcoming future that I still will take part of together with my team. And I'm very excited for that. Yeah. So tell me this, if you were to write a book. What would be that about? Oh, actually, I already thought about it. And it's been four years I want to write a book. So it's uh, because what I told in the beginning, I lost my parents at a quite early age. I want to write a book about that from orphan to, I, I always call it from orphan to CEO. Let's see if I will be the official CEO four years. I don't know, but I always had this book title in my mind. And it will be about all the things I've learned when things happen. Bad things happen. It doesn't matter that you cannot really have a happy life, but it also happens that you always have these traumas within you, but how to deal with that. So it will be about business and personal and how these things combined can help you to do what you want and learn from that. So I actually thought about a title already. And when I'm 32 in four years, I want to start writing it. That's my goal. It's, it's on my timeline. Now I said it, so I have to do it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So this is your first interview for your book, right? <laughs> Exactly. I, I will refer to you in my book. Yeah, somebody he kept uh, saying, hey, it's four years further. Did you already start writing your book? And uh, I will uh, quote you. I will add a reminder to my calendar and remind you. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, Grace. And tell me this, right? Uh, book writing is a dream and I'm sure you, you will have the book soon. You have the title already. You have the message already. In a way, a lot of what you're doing is you're living, a, you're living your dreams, right? You're chartering your own path. What advice would you give to somebody else who have an idea of what their dream is, but yet they found themselves stuck for whatever reason that they have? 
Yeah, I think a lot of people, also people I know, friends, they struggle with this because they are too afraid to take a decision because they don't know what will happen. And one of the best pieces of advice that I got from a customer, actually, a couple of years ago, because he trained young professionals, he said to me, like, almost all choices are reversible. So it's worse to not choose and stay there, then try it. And maybe you go back to where you were, but at least you tried. Almost all choices that you make are reversible. And I think that's something that I really live with also from a personal, from a business side. Almost everything I do, I can undo. So just do it, would like say. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that so simply. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the heaviness of a decision without really like understanding that even if I move ahead, I can always come back if it doesn't work out. Exactly. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think that's also a little bit about the mindset that you have as a startup. You just have to try things and see if it works. I think we're often in business, also personal life, too afraid to try things because naturally, of course, we could do harm to our reputation or social life, whatever. But I really believe that I want to live a, worth, a life worth living for. And if I really want to do something that I feel it inside, even if it's scary, I should do it because I always have this thing in my mind that this customer of, me said to, of mine said to me like, hey, any, everything is reversible, almost everything should do it. And every time I'm too afraid to do stuff because I also have that, I keep thinking about him and then I decide to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think what you're also pointing towards is a lot of our fear or a lot of what we think that holds us back is not out there, it's in there. So if you just do it, you will see that most often there is nothing which is standing in the way or whatever you were resisting was closer than you thought it would be. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So before before we end, I always ask, sometimes ask this question. If you would have the choice of having anybody as your dinner guest, who would that person be? What a great question. So I think this is like one person that some people would say nowadays, oh, are you sure? He also did some bad things. But I do find it inspiring what Elon Musk did through the years and how many companies he built. So it's not only Tesla, but he did so many companies. And I tried to pick his brain, like, hey, what are the things that you are doing that I'm not doing, what I should be doing? Wonderful. I think we can learn from everybody, no matter who that person is or what they have done. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So before Maybe we... it should be in your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should email him, like, hey... <laughs> Yes, let me mention that. Let me mention you. Maybe I will get some extra weightage. That Henny recommended you should come on my podcast. Why don't you give it a chance? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he says, yes, let's try it. Let's do it. Yes. Who knows? Yeah. In the worst case, I have nothing to lose. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. So do you have any lasting thoughts before we end? Or do you want to share if anybody wants to reach out to you, what would be the best way to contact you? Yeah. So you can find me on my LinkedIn or email me at henny at privo.co. And my last thing that I'd like to add is something I also live with is always be learning, always develop yourself, always. You can learn something from someone. Everybody can teach you something. Be open for it. Keep developing yourself and they will also keep developing everything around you. So always be learning. Wonderful. Wonderful place to end. Yeah. So thank you again, once again, for your time and for your wisdom, sharing about your life. And I'm sure you will be a CEO very soon. I'm sure your book will be out and a lot of listeners maybe will be the of this podcast will be the one of the first buyers of your book that will be amazing thank you so much for the invitation 
Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Henny. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast, and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride, and satisfaction, not just for yourself but also for those around you. This is what I do most naturally: to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. I say what might be uncomfortable for me to say or for you to hear, to show you that all our dreams, which have been on hold, are within our grasp. If you like the sound of it, do not forget to leave a rating. I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter at deployyourself.com/newsletter. You can also reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to share any other comment or feedback. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.